everybody. Good morning. Uh, I'm David, and I am so thankful to hear the stories from Frank and from Catherine. Uh, just so thankful to see people right now opening up their lives and letting Jesus do some work. You know, uh, that's what we're talking about these next few weeks. We are in the second week of a series we started called Jesus Changes Everything. And what, what we've realized, what every one of us knows, is that our lives are different right now. Our lives have experienced change. There are things that we're seeing that we didn't see before. There are things that have been revealed. There is, is a lot of things that we wouldn't have ever chosen for ourselves or anyone else. But you know what? Um, sometimes when those kind of things happen, it's when God can do some of the greatest, most significant work in our lives. And even bad things, uh, Jesus can change in the best way. In fact, that's kind of what Jesus is really good at. And so what we are wanting to do is say, what has coronavirus revealed in our lives? And what can God heal? And that's what this series is about. And I, I, I hope uh, man, we're asking people to kind of record a little video like Catherine did, like Frank did, like Alan did last week. And we're asking you for tomorrow to, to share that video on social media, a 60-second little video. You can get information about how to do it uh, on our website. We want you to just fill up, uh, we want to fill up people's Facebook feeds with the good work that Jesus is doing and changing everything and offer hope and offer some faith in this time when we all need it. Today, uh, we're going to continue on in our series. Let me pray and we'll get right into it. Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus, Holy Spirit, we are here thankful for this chance to gather even like this. Lord, we look forward to the day when we can be uh, together again, kind of in the same way that you told us that that day's coming with you, Lord. We look forward to the moment when, when things are different and we can again gather in, in, your, in your house of worship and lift our voices together in praise. But for now, Jesus, we come to you. We recognize where we're at. We open our hearts. We open our minds. We ask you to quicken the things in our lives that allow your Holy Spirit to work. And Jesus, if there is something you want to reveal today, make it known by the power of your Spirit. And Jesus, we know there's things that you want to heal today, so start doing that work too. In your name we pray these things. Amen. Amen. All right, uh, just a quick question to begin. How many of you sitting in your living rooms watching today would consider yourself a planner? Do we have, do we have any planners at your house today? Can, can the planners give me a shout out? A little woo-woo planning, right? And it's probably never been said before, but you can do it in your living room, right? And uh and, uh, you know, I, I wasn't a planner until somewhere after college it happened, but I am one of you, and I really appreciate planners. Y'all make the world go round. There are different kinds of planners. You know, for many of us today, uh, many of us planners plan electronically on our phones. We have a calendar, a calendar app. I have Google Calendar, which has absolutely revolutionized my life. It's been actually very helpful for my marriage Many of us planners plan with an electronic calendar, but there's some of us that plan in other ways. We still like paper calendars, right? We like to plan with something tactile, something that we can hold in our hands, something where we see the whole month out there where we can, we can take it all in, right? Um, and we're fine if Y2K comes. We're, gonna be, we're still going to know what our plans are, right? You got a backup plan there, all right? Then some of us have 
multiple calendars on our calendar app. And some of us have multiple calendars in paper, too. Are any, any of you guys like that out there today? I know, I know some of you are. In fact, my wonderful, incredible, beautiful wife, Shannon, let me have all of her calendars this morning. I just wanted to show you all this. Uh, this is our family uh, kids' schedule and food calendar. This is uh, our school calendar, right? This is our, uh, this is her work calendar with her to-do list on it. And this is, this is another calendar. I have no idea what this calendar is for, but we got some calendars going on right here, right? Uh, Shannon wins on calendars, right? And then some of us are like, uh, no, I'm not a planner at all, but in fact, I do have a calendar and she's sitting next to me on the couch right now because she is my wife and I'm not trying to start any marital spats in your house just stating a reality as I see it and sometimes uh, live into it right um, but here's the thing let me ask a question to you planners planners how has last month gone for y'all how, how did you experience last month was it was it good <laughs> right no it, it was not good it's been terrible. In fact, since coronavirus, planners have been like this, right? Right? And that little girl does it better than I do, right? That's what, that's what life has felt like since coronavirus for planners because it's been like impossible to really plan, right? It's almost been comical to, plan, to try to plan. I remember early on in this thing where a group of us at church sat down to try to actually navigate some things, to map out a plan. And, um, and honestly, it became ridiculous very, very fast. Something that we thought was pretty th- solid on Wednesday, by the time it was Friday, it was almost like inappropriate, right? Something that we wanted to, to make some decisions about, we realized how intertwined it was with 15 other decisions that we actually didn't have enough information to make anything about at that point. Uh, and, and what ended up happening is that the only thing we, we realized we could do, I bet you've experienced this, is you could postpone it indefinitely or you could kind of cancel it. And that, that's kind of what we've experienced. In that, in that meeting, we kind of laughed about it and then we cried about it simultaneously. And basically, uh, now this is all that planners do. We just are waiting, waiting, Still waiting, right? Still waiting, like that kid in the gif there, right? Right? Um, as all this has been happening, there has been a verse that's been embedded in my brain uh, from the book of James that I want to read from you because it just seems almost overly relevant. Let me go ahead and read this passage. It's James chapter 4. I'm going to read verses 13 through 15, which say this. Now listen, you who say, today or tomorrow, we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business, and make money. Why? You do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. All right, thank you, James. 
Uh, that's James in the Bible. Those words are inspired by God. This is the word of God for us. And for planners, that might not have been a word that we particularly wanted to hear, was it? Right? It almost feels like we got out our calendar and we were writing some things down and James was like, uh, 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 right? Don't lift that pencil quite yet, right? It's, it's almost like we hear those words and it's a stark warning against making plans, which it is. However, if we read it well, actually what we're going to discover, it's not so much against making plans, it's about an assumption that often goes underneath our plans. It's really relevant today. I want to work through this passage verse by verse. Back to verse 13, which says this. Now listen, listen, you who say, today or tomorrow, we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business, and make money. Now listen, you who say that. Is that speaking to you? You guys ever made plans for today or tomorrow? Plan to go somewhere? Plan to accomplish something? Plan to do something? I'm sure we all have. Every single one of us is the ones he's telling to listen right now. But actually, as James wrote this, he probably had a very particular group of people in mind. And specifically in the first century, it was traveling merchants. It was traveling salesmen. Because this is exactly what they would do. They would make plans to travel to another city, to develop contacts, to be able to sell something or offer services, and they would stay there for a couple months or a year in order to make it happen. And so he's probably thinking about them as he's describing what he's saying here, but notice he doesn't name them, and that's because what he's saying isn't just relevant for them. He's speaking to anyone who makes plans, anyone who says today or tomorrow will do this, which includes, guess who? planners and you and me and anyone who plans because we all have to plan even if we're not a planner life consists of making plans and in fact this word might be more relevant for us today than it ever was then because planning in this sense is really part and parcel of modern life in order to do anything or accomplish anything in life right now today we have to come up with some plans Everyone has uh, some sort of calendar, even if it's only in their brains. Everyone probably has some sort of goals that they're trying to set out to do, small, large. And, and we've got to think ahead and organize around those things, make plans, if we want to see them happen. And if we want to do big things, if we want to accomplish more significant things, like uh, we've got to make bigger plans. We need to have a one-year goal or a three-year plan or a five-year vision, right? And, and is this what James is talking against here? I want to suggest to you that it's not. Not really. I, uh, I don't think that, in fact, he's against any of those things in the sense that we are just simply doing them in modern life. And I would suggest to you, if you actually read the Bible, there are times where God actually directs us to set out some plans, to think about some big things that we would accomplish. What I think James is doing here, though, is in the middle of these plans that we write in and that we envision short-term, long-term, he's throwing into the mix a very realist observation that we need to keep in mind, which, which is this. Verse 14, how do you know what your life will be like tomorrow? How do you know what tomorrow looks like? And it's a rhetorical question. You don't know what tomorrow looks like is the point he's trying to make. Last week, I was sitting down with my little girl, Jordan, outside. And there she is sitting next to her big brother, Johnny. But we were talking, and she said, Daddy, what are you, you going to do tomorrow? 
And I said, actually, Jordan, tomorrow I'm going to go to work. I'm going to go to church and get some stuff done. You remember the days when daddy wasn't home all the time, right? And, and she said, oh, dada, I'm going to miss you, which was nice and kind. I love it when Jordan says those kind of things. Uh, but then I, I flipped the question back on her. And I said, Jordan, what are you going to do tomorrow? And she kind of looked at me and then she kind of shrugged her shoulders and said, Dada, I don't know. These days are all different. <laughs> and I was like, oh my gosh, right? From the mouth of babes. You can't sit still during family devotionals, but you understand what James is saying right here, right now. Uh, we don't know what tomorrow looks like. And that's the truth. And when we talk about what coronavirus has revealed, I think what it has revealed is the truth of what James is saying in a way that maybe for the first time in our lives we're able to see with, with great, great clarity. Coronavirus makes tomorrow, next month, uncertain. It really does. There's so much right now we don't know. We might know actually literally what we plan and think tomorrow is going to look like, but you know, we don't know what a month looks like from now. We don't know what a year looks like from now. We don't know so much about what the future holds right now. We don't know if some restrictions are going to get lifted and the economy is going to start up again and things are going to come back. We don't know. We don't know if when that happens and people get out again, if we're all going to infect each other and there's going to be this next wave and restrictions are going to tighten up again. We don't know. We don't know if this summer uh, this, this virus might be seasonal like the flu and the sun will have an impact on it and the heat will have an impact on it. We don't know. We hope but we don't know, and we don't know if we're going to get it. We don't know if this is something that ultimately we all are just going to have to get at some point with or without a vaccine, and we don't know how we're going to respond to it when we do. We don't know if this is something that's going to cause us to be deeply and, 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 and disturbingly ill, or we don't know if we're going to be asymptomatic. We don't know. We don't know what tomorrow looks like. And you know, I think about our city of Houston and I think about a lot of you, and I think about we don't know that we might have had one of the biggest we don't know moments on Monday that we've had in a long, long time when oil future prices absolutely went nuts, right? Anybody on Monday kind of ride that roller coaster and at the end of it say to yourself, I don't know what tomorrow looks like, right? It was crazy. Oil is already hurting really bad, and then it got historic. I don't even know what negative oil future prices really even mean. I, don't, I, I, I needed to look it up to even try to make sense of it. I'm still not sure I get it, right? Uh, we had a lot of people taking their plans on Monday and Tuesday in the oil industry and ripping them up because they didn't know what tomorrow looked like. And, and this is what James is digging at here. This is, is what he's saying as he goes further in verse 14 and he says, you are a mist that is here for a moment and then gone the next. What he is saying, it, 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 this is what's underneath the planning that we need to, to, to recognize. He's saying to us, you are not in control. You are not in control. We are not in control. You can make plans, but you're not in control. Proverbs 16.9 says it like this. We can make our plans, 
but the Lord determines our steps. That's what coronavirus has revealed in a stark, clear way. And, and all the ways that we have tried to really gain control, tried to take our plans and make them happen, coronavirus has showed how, how fleeting and how insecure and unstable so many of those things are. Right? There's, there's ways, different things that we try to use to control, try to make plans with, like we plan to hope to live a long time. And we try to do that by controlling our health, right? And there's a lot of wisdom in that. Treat your body well, it's likely to treat you well for a lot longer time, right? But can you ensure that you're going to be healthy for a long time? You cannot. And if cancer wasn't enough of a reality to make that a, a regular reminder, right? Now we have this virus that takes out folks who are already ill, but also now randomly takes out very healthy 30-year-olds and 25-year-olds sometimes too. We're not in control. You know, another way that many of us try to control our lives is through uh, our career, is through um, this plan that we make, some job that we envision in the future, some pathway that we hope to, to, to be on. And we, uh, we make those plans and we think that we have some semblance of control over them right? Uh, and, and we hope that we make some money along the way, a lot of us, because it enables us to do the fun things that we wanted to do. But what happens then when there's a worldwide pandemic, suddenly we're no longer able to be next to each other, and our analog skill set now has to apply in a much more digital world, right? We didn't have control of that. Suddenly, what we felt secure in doesn't feel quite as secure anymore. What happens when the industry that we're in takes a, a negative downturn and our job gets squeezed out. Suddenly, we don't have control of our careers anymore, right? And, and, and this is what coronavirus has revealed. And this is what James is saying to us. Look, people, David, you don't have as much control as you think you do, as it often feels like you do. We are vulnerable. We are limited. We are small. We are not always sure about tomorrow. And I, I just want to say, if you're not seeing that right now in the middle of coronavirus, your eyes are closed. You are delusional. You are avoiding a hard truth that you need to see. And I don't think James is telling us this so that he, he can be downer on us, that he can make us feel bad. I don't think he's say, saying this to paralyze us in fear. Again, he's not against planning. What he's trying to do is help us to see the reality of something, to see the truth. He's telling us the truth because what did Jesus say about the truth? The truth can set us free, and that's what he wants to do. And I think what the work we have to do when we realize and see things in the way that we're seeing them right now, so we have to ask ourselves the question, where have I placed a false sense of security? Where have I tried to, to, to put my trust, where have I tried to control things in a place where I really didn't have that much control? And I think, I think what we have the opportunity to do right now is some self-reflection and an ability to trust less in those things and absolutely turn them more to Jesus. And to help you with that, I have a quick exercise I want you to try. Hey everybody, here I am at home in what the kids call our Lego room because there is a ton of Legos in here. But I was playing with them the other day and um, something occurred to me. This is a, a Lego ladder, 
right? And this is a Lego character, particularly a Minecraft Lego character with a flat box, 16-bit head. And uh, this Lego character is getting up this ladder, but this is a stand-up ladder. And the thing about stand-up ladders is they don't ever stand up on the strength of their own. They always rest on something else. They stand up based on the stability and strength of something else. Okay? So here's what occurred to me. I think in a sense, all of us are kind of like a Lego character going up a ladder. <laughs> in that there is some destination up here, some end destination that we're all trying to get to, that we envision maybe one year, five years, ten years, twenty-five years away, but that we, we are taking steps, climbing up to, to get to. But we don't attain that destination uh, on, on its own. We are relying on the stability and strength of certain things to get us there. We're putting that ladder on certain things. And those are things that I've already mentioned in the message. Things like, uh, our career, things like um, our identity uh, in that career, or as a, a parent of great children, or our money, right? But what happens when suddenly that wall, that thing that we thought was secure that we were leaning our ladder on, falls over? We fall over too, right? I don't know if you've ever experienced that where you've been on a ladder and it's suddenly fallen. It's terrifying. Your arms go flailing. You feel totally out of control. You are grasping for whatever you can. Um, you are totally destabilized because what you thought was secure is no longer secure. Well, here's where I think this is relevant. I think a lot of us right now, a lot of people in the, in the world right now are feeling very destabilized. They feel, they feel like their lives are out of control. Maybe you do too. You're grasping for something to hold on to. And what I think that can tell you, if you feel very insecure right now, is that you have had your ladder on something that has now fallen over. And, uh, and, and I think if we want to identify where we have a false sense of security, where we had trusted in something that wasn't fully worth or deserving of our trust, the question we need to ask ourselves is, where do I feel the fall? Where am I feeling the fall? What is the thing that's occupying my anxiety? Where do I keep looking to the news for information on this thing? over and over and over again. That's where I'm feeling the fall. That's where I've placed a false sense of security. And that's where I think actually Jesus wants to give us something better. But ask yourself the question, where do I feel the fall? Welcome back from the Lego room. And uh, you know, now that James has kind of helped us do that self-reflective work, what he does here in the last verse that we're going to look at is he kind of moves us forward into something positive, a, an approach that we can take that is much more God-honoring, much more God-fearing, 
much more trustworthy. <clears throat> Let me read you verse 15. It says this. Instead, instead of making your plans, instead of saying today or tomorrow I'm going to go do this, instead of saying I'm going to go do this and make money and everything that I wanted to happen is going to happen, instead of that you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. If it is the Lord's will, then we will live and do this or that. What has James said there? Notice, again, he hasn't said planning is bad. He hasn't said your three-year goals are a sin. He hasn't said that. What he said is instead of making our plans and not thinking twice about them, instead of setting up this thing that we want to do in the future and not consulting or having any interest in what God might want for our future, we should always instead add this phrase, if the Lord wills. When we make our plans, we say, God willing. And you know, when I, when I read this from James, if the Lord wills, God willing, it actually reminds me very much of the time that I spent, uh, the times I've lived in the Middle East, because a lot of folks in um, Arab countries, and this actually is Christians and Muslims alike, will we'll use this phrase in their language all the time. You hear it all the time, and it's this, insha'Allah, insha'Allah. And what it means is, if the Lord wills, God willing. And so they'll, they'll be talking to somebody and be like, hey, why don't we go out and we'll, we'll, we'll go meet up at this place on Friday. And I would do this with people. And we'd, we'd have plans to say, hey, does Friday sound good? Does that sound good? I'd say, yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll see you there, inshallah. And I was always, at the beginning, I was like, okay. You know, a lot of people be saying this. Is this your way to say, like, I really don't want to meet with you, right? Or is this your way to kind of, is this the, the, the way that you have a back out plan if something better comes along, right? Inshallah, if God wills, then I'll be there, right? And, and, and actually, for some people, for some people, I, I think what it is, actually for most people, I think what it is, is just this little phrase that gets tied on uh, like, like a cultural idiom that gets used. You know, that people just say over and over because they were raised with it. Like when we walk by each other and we say, how are you doing? And we really don't care, right? Um, when they say, inshallah, right, that for most folks, it, it, it actually isn't that meaningful. However, I think when it began... And I think for some people, and I know for some people because I knew some of these people, what they are doing in saying that is, is actually living into James chapter 4 here. They're saying, I recognize that I have a plan, but I am small, and God is really, really big. I'm small, and God's big, so I'm going to make this plan, and God, if you want to do something else, that's okay right? That's what'll happen, what you want to happen. Sometimes when we make plans here at church, uh, we pray and we, uh, we say, uh, Lord, we lift up these plans to you and we give them to you, but if you don't like them, break them and mess it up. And I hate that prayer, to be honest with you. <laughs> I do not like it, but it is honest and it takes into account, it takes into account exactly what James saying, if the Lord wills, right? And, and, and here's the thing, uh, this recognition of our smallness and God's bigness isn't a bad thing. It's actually incredibly good news. And here's, here's the reason why. God's plans 
for your life are a lot better than your plans for your life. Do you know that? Do we know that, right? I think we need to be reminded of that. Uh, God's control over my life is so much better than my control over my life. He is big. I am small. I am limited. We are finite. We need the infinite, loving, merciful, benevolent, personal God to be guiding our steps. And let me assure you, his plan for your career is far better than your plan for your career. His plan for whoever you, if you're not married, you were to marry, is far better than whatever type of situation you would try to force on your own. Let me assure you, his plan for your resources are far better than your plan for your resources. He cares for you. He wants the best for you. And really, it's almost a a, a switch on this phrase, if God wills, that we ought to take an approach on. What we ought to actually say is, God, what is your will before we make our plans? Right? It's, it's, It's a desire to say, God, I don't want to make plans if they are mine and not yours. If I have not said, Lord, would you be a part of this? And let me tell you, when we do that, when we give our plans to God, when we put God in the front of our plans instead of in the back, right? Uh, That is when we actually get the other incredible gift, uh, and that's peace. Do you realize that when you let go of your plans, you get to grasp hold of God's peace, right? When, When you are living in the midst of tremendous uncertainty that you have no control of, and you give that control to God, what you are going to experience is peace. When you start to include God in the plans that you make, you no longer have to, to, to say, oh, am I just doing this on my own? You don't have to look over your shoulder in guilt. You get to actually look forward and say, I gave it to the one who knows far better than me. And now I can walk with a free heart forward into the future, knowing that whatever happens, God wills, right? And that's peace. And right now, y'all, as God has revealed these false securities where we have, we're flailing, what we need to do is prop our ladders in the security of the living, loving God who is with us, who knows us, who wants to hear from us, who by prayer and petition with thanksgiving we make our requests known to, and he gives us the peace that passes all understanding. And you know, um, I just want to offer you one image that actually I shared in the fall, but that I think is so helpful for me, and I think it will be for you too right now. It's this. Uh, Before coronavirus, B.C., uh, (laughs) one of the things that I got to do most every week was uh, play basketball with a bunch of guys from church on Tuesday nights. And when I would get home every single Tuesday night, inevitably, Uh, my little girl, that four-year-old Jordan, was in my bed sleeping next to Shannon. And I don't like kids in my bed. So I would, every Tuesday night, pick her up and kind of carry her uh, through the house, up the stairs, to her bed. And inevitably, on those Tuesday nights, what, what would happen is that Jordan would, when I picked her up, she'd have this sensation of losing control. Her eyes would open Her limbs would go out, right? She was scared. She didn't know what was happening. Suddenly, this safe, secure, stable bed was no longer underneath her. 
and, and she was being carried through the house, right? If you were a kid and you ever experienced that, you remember it. It's terrifying. But what I, I would do with Jordan every time is I would look at her straight in the face as we walked, um, which always worked out even though I was going upstairs, thank God. And, uh, and, and as she, her arms would flail and she'd be scared, I'd just say, Jordan, I've got you. Daddy's got you. I love you. It's okay. It's okay. And eventually her eyes would catch mine and she would see me, and she would hear me, and, and, and she would relax. Those arms would come back in, right? Her legs would suddenly go to not limp, but in a more relaxed position again. She would, uh, she would calm down, and before we would be in her, her room, and I'd lay her down into her bed, she would, she's already asleep in perfect peace. And let, let me suggest to you guys, that's exactly where we are right now. Every single one of us. We are in a place where we've had so many of the securities that we've known in life totally removed. The safe place that we were in is no longer there, and we're flailing. And we can keep flailing, we can keep fighting, we can keep trying to plan, we can keep trying to control the future, but we're headed in, in a direction we don't really know. Jordan didn't know. And I took her. But every time, if we can fix our eyes on Jesus, if we can hear his voice, if we can know that he's for us and he loves us, I think what we'll experience is peace. We may not have control, but Jesus changes everything by giving us his peace right here and right now. And I'm praying for that for you. I invite you in the name of Jesus to sleep through the night these next weeks. Would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, we thank you so much for the incredible, good, beautiful, wonderful gifts that you give to us and that you give us even now, Lord. And I pray that in our hearts, in our minds, we would know that you're with us, that we would hear your voice as it speaks to us, that we would keep our eyes on you no matter the craziness or on the uncertainty around us, no matter what we aren't sure about looking into the future, Lord, that we would feel your holding of our lives, that we would know that as we give up control to you, Lord, we, we give it to the one who loves us and can take us and who has beautiful, beautiful plans for us. I pray, pray that those who need to hear that this morning, Lord, that you would put it deeply in their hearts. And Jesus, we now pray together these words that you taught us to say. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.